Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. If you Google, who is Jesus, then you'll get about 1,420,000,000 different search results. Probably safe to say that people want to know who Jesus really is. Was he really God's son? Was he a man, but a great teacher? Was he even real, or a made-up story to push an agenda? And these are just some of the most common questions asked about him. But what if we could really know for sure? What difference would it make in our lives? We explore these questions and more in our current series, Who is Jesus? Let's continue the Upward Journey. Good morning, Upward family. You're looking very handsome and beautiful today. That's a compliment. Just receive it and say amen. Just say, I'll take it. It's the nicest thing somebody said to you probably all day. Good to have you here. You guys did not get the memo about July. It's not supposed to be this full in the church in July, but here you are, and we're so glad that you're here. Thanks for being here today. Excited to have you this morning. Today we begin a new series entitled, Who is Jesus? And that is an incredibly important topic for everybody, whether you are a Christian or not. The question, who is Jesus, is one of the most important questions. The, your answer to that question is one of the most important things about you. Think about it. Much of the world today believes that Jesus was a great man and a great teacher. And he certainly had and still has a tremendous influence over the world, no matter what you think about him. But consider this for a minute. A man born on the other side of the world to a very poor family. His mother was pregnant before she was married, which was an incredible stigma in their day, a thousand times worse than it would be in our day. His dad, is not his, his, his legal father, was a carpenter. He was poor. And yet this man... And he only raised up 12 disciples intimately. Yet this man, who seemingly had such a poor start. I mean, there's also the thing about being born in a barn. This man, who had such a slow start in our terms, today, over a third of the world claims to follow his teachings. Nearly three billion people on earth say, I follow Jesus Christ. This man is important. This man needs to be understood. This lowly man, this carpenter, has become the centerpiece of human history. We measure time by him. Anybody know what B.C. means? Anybody know what A.D. means? means Anno Domini. Christians don't always understand that, but it means the year of our Lord. Before Christ and everything after him is called the year of our Lord. He is the centerpiece of history. As one man said, history is his story. Well, we got a problem with Jesus in our day. There are too many Jesuses in our culture. Way too many Jesuses. Way too many. Because if you're not careful, and this is something that Christians struggle with all the time, we'll make our own Jesus instead of following the real one. It is so easy 
as a Christian to come up with our own Jesus. It's so easy to pick out the Bible verses that I'm comfortable with and discard the ones that I don't understand or that contradict my beliefs. We've got all kinds of Jesuses in our culture today. Did you know we've got Republican and Democrat Jesus? I thought I'd go ahead and poke that right at the start to get some people stirred up. People in both parties claim Jesus and they say he belongs to us and the reason we believe what we believe is because this is what Jesus teaches. We have feel-good Jesus, I like to call him. Feel-good Jesus is very calm and he just loves everybody. He has a sheep under each arm and he's petting the head of a child and he never judges anyone. He would never do anything like create a whip and drive people out of the temple. Whoops. Feel good, Jesus. Just just loves you and just supports you no matter what you do. Oh, my goodness, folks. The people that have loved me the most have not supported me in some of my craziest decisions. Can I get an amen? Amen. We have angry Jesus. And angry Jesus is like the old-fashioned hall monitor. Did any of you volunteer to be hall monitors in school? You went outside in the... They're on the front row right here. (laughs) Right here they are, this whole row. Hall monitors. Snitches. (laughs) Traitors. On the dark side. They stood out in the hall... Look at them. They're looking at me like that right now. I can tell. (laughs) They stood out in the hall to see if you violated any rules. And some people think Jesus is like a divine hall monitor who's looking around every corner to see if he can catch you doing something wrong. We have prosperity, Jesus. His main concern in his life is to get you the nicest car and the nicest house and to fill your bank account with money. If you hear some people, that's what Jesus is about, just giving you a wonderful life down here. Folks, I want to just tell you something. God's been just putting me on my face in my living room, getting me to pray because like no other time in my life, I can honestly say this, I want to know the real Jesus like no other time in my life, say, well, it's good to know, preacher, you've been our pastor 25 years now, and you're saying you don't know Jesus. I'm not saying I don't know Jesus, but I'm saying I want to know the real Jesus, and I want to know him better than I've ever known him before, because this world doesn't need Republican, Democrat, prosperity, feel good, or angry Jesus. This world is desperately crying out for the real Jesus. And we need to know him so that we can make him known in our world. Now, if you're not a believer, you may say, well, this series is certainly not for me because I don't need to know who Jesus is because I'm not a Christian. Let me tell you what I believe and what we believe as Christians. We believe that this life is just the prelude to eternal life. We believe that this 80 to maybe 90, 100 years that we live on this earth is just a warm-up For the existence that is after life. And I do believe there is life after death. 
There is existence after death for everybody. I wouldn't call it life for everybody. I believe your life on this earth is just a snapshot, not even that, of what eternity is. And here's the crucial question. How will you spend that eternity? You know what determines that? Jesus. And your relationship with Him. They're not going to be checking your bank accounts. They won't look at your job description. They won't look at what kind of car you drive or what social status you are. They won't even weigh out your good deeds against your bad deeds. So many people are banking on that. If you're banking on that, first of all, good luck. (laughs) But honestly, it just doesn't work that way. All of your eternity will be determined by your relationship with Jesus Christ and mine as well. Everybody, Christian, non-Christian, the Bible says one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you got a tongue, don't stick it out right now. You thought I was going to ask you to do that. I was close, but I I edited myself. Um, You got a tongue, that tongue in your mouth one day is going to say Jesus Christ is Lord. You got a knee, those knees are going to bow one day and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Here's what I urge you to do if you don't know Jesus. Get to know him now and make him the Lord now because you will one day. And I like to tell people this too. The sooner you make that decision, the better you'll look. You're going to be better looking for coming to Jesus now. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Andy. Very good. Love you, brother. Way to go. Keep going. Preach a good message. I'm behind you. I know how to encourage myself in the Lord. If we want to find the real Jesus, we got to get back to the source. We got to go way, way back 2,000 years to find out who the real one was. We need to find somebody that really knew him, and thankfully, We have four Gospels that are the first four books of the New Testament. Those first four books are Gospels or biographies of Jesus Christ that give us four different pictures of Him. People ask me, why are there four? Well, there are four because there's just too much to know about Jesus. There's so many perspectives to see Him from that it took at least four people who knew Him personally and intimately to give us any picture. John said if all the books in the world were written about him, all the books in the world couldn't contain everything there is to say about Jesus Christ. So there are four guys who wrote Jesus' biography, if you will, in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want to tell you how great Upward is. We got three of those on pastoral staff right now. We have Matthew, Luke, and John. I'm just saying, the next staff position we hire, if your name is Mark, you've got a leg up on the competition. Because we'd love to be able to say we got all four here at Upward. The fourth gospel, the gospel of John, that we're in, we're in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. It was written by Jesus' closest friend on earth, John. I want you to know that the words written here by John are written by somebody who knew him intimately and personally. John was the disciple who knew Jesus best. He's the disciple at the Last Supper that Jesus told 
who was going to betray him. Any of you have friends that you tell, talk to about your pain? Boy, we need to get some friends apparently at Upward. <laughs> Anybody have friends you talk to about your pain? They're your close buddies, right? That's who Jesus talked to. John was the only disciple to stick with Jesus through his crucifixion. He was the only one recorded to be there present. John was the one that Jesus looked down from the cross. Jesus' mother was also there. Imagine that, watching her son be crucified. And John, Jesus looked down at John and he said, John, this is your mom from now on. Mom, this is now your son. In other words, John, take care of my mother after I'm gone. That's John. John was the very first disciple to visit Jesus' empty tomb. He knew him well. You know what amazes me about John? John wrote four other books in the New Testament. First, second, and third John. Then he wrote the last book of the New Testament called Revelation. In the book of Revelation, John, who was Jesus' best friend, saw Jesus in his current state. Here's a newsflash. Jesus does not have bloody hands and feet anymore. His side is not pierced by a sword and bleeding anymore. He's not wearing a crown of thorns anymore. He is the eternal son of God who rules and reigns over the universe. And John, his best bud on earth in Revelation said, I saw him and I fell at his feet as though I were dead. Even the guy that knew him best when he saw him in his glory couldn't even stay on his feet. This intimate friend wrote a book about him. We're going to take now... We're going to go deep, we're going to go slow for the next five weeks. I'm not going to cover a lot of scripture, but the ones we cover, we're going to dig them up really good, all right? You ready for that? Stand to your feet, if you will. We're going to read the first two verses of John. We're going to give honor to God. Read this together. Ready? In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Is that it? Do we have one more verse? That's verse 2, isn't it? Sit down. <laughs> I'm waiting on him to change the slide and we're done. I need numbers up here. Here's our thesis statement for this. Our thesis statement for today is simply this. Jesus is... You can change it now. Jesus, I'm right for this time. Jesus, get this, Jesus is the God of the whole world who is both personal and eternal. That's what I'm going to tell you today. Jesus is the God of the whole world who is both personal and eternal at the very same time. Let's jump into that first sentence. You ready? Here we go. In the beginning, the Word already existed. Now, do the words in the beginning sound familiar to anybody? Any students of the Bible that have studied for very long will recognize those three words are somewhere else in the Bible. In fact, those two words are in a very strategic spot in the Bible. Those words in the beginning go all the way back to Genesis 1-1 when it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It was no accident that John started his story of Jesus with the same three words that started the whole Bible. 
all the gospel writers wanted to go back and kind of talk a little bit about where Jesus came from. Matthew, the first gospel, traces the genealogy of Jesus all the way back to Abraham because Matthew was writing to the Jewish audience telling them that Jesus is the king of the Jews. So he traced him all the way back to Abraham. Matthew really thought he did a good job. He traced Jesus all the way back to Genesis 11. Luke comes along and says, watch this. It didn't really happen, but it's fun to think about. Luke says, I'm going further. You see, Luke's gospel portrays Jesus in his humanity in a big way. Luke traced Jesus' genealogy all the way back to Adam, the first man. Then John says, watch this. I'm going back further than anybody. Matthew traced him Genesis 11. Luke traced him to Genesis 1, the end of the chapter. John said, hey, I'm going back to the very beginning of the book. In fact, I'm going back to the very beginning of time and even before. In the beginning. Why did he do that? Because his Jewish audience needed to understand that the God of the Old Testament that they worshipped and served was and is Jesus Christ. The Jews needed to understand that Jesus Christ is their God. Amen? And John's saying, in the beginning. So any Hebrew, any Jewish reader of the Gospel of John hears the words, in the beginning, and they perk up and say, well, I know where that came from. He's talking about Genesis. In the beginning. Then he said, in the beginning, the Word. Now, I'm just like, just, if it's Jesus, just say Jesus. I'm a simple man, and I believe in speaking in simple terms, right? I want to communicate things. And I'm like, why in the word, why in the world, word, world? Y'all pray for me. Why in the world would John use the word, word? In the beginning was the word. What does that mean? Well, John is saying a whole lot more that meets the eye when he uses the term word for Jesus. John was not just speaking to a Jewish audience. He was speaking to an audience of people who were heavily, heavily influenced by Greek culture. And an educated Greek person would understand very quickly when John said the word what he was talking about. About 350 years before John wrote this gospel, there was a Greek philosopher called Aristotle. And he wrote about a concept called the Logos. Everybody say Logos. So you're getting smart this morning. Everybody ready to be smart? Did you hear about the guy who sued smart water because he drank it for a year and didn't get smart? I'm suing Thin Mints. I stole that joke. I just stole it. Everybody say, Lagos. Here's how the Greeks understood the Lagos. The Greeks knew that there was something more to this life than us. They knew there was something deeper. Let me tell you something. The Greek philosophers were brilliant. They were brilliant. It's amazing to me how in 2022 we think we're smarter 
than all of human history. Don't we? In our culture today, we're trying to overturn some things that all of humanity has believed. And that's not political. That's kingdom-minded. We're trying to overturn things. We think we're smarter than they are. The Greek philosophers were brilliant people. And they knew that this life wasn't all there was. And they knew that something created this. Can I tell you something? You look around. Look at the people next to you. Look at them. I know it's uncomfortable. Just look at them. Don't stare at them. Just look at them real quick and then look back at me. Somebody made that person. They're not an accident. If I were to tell you guys that this building just sprung up one day, we just kept praying and every 10 years another board was added until this building finally happened, you would think I'm crazy. But yet you want to say that's how I and you came into being. Not true. Somebody made us. And the Greeks didn't go that far, but they said there is something out there, a force, if you will. Anybody heard of the force? A force, I'll get back to that. A force, if you will, that created the universe, a force that upholds the universe, and a force that tells us right from wrong. That's just a part of what they considered the Logos, but the Logos was the ultimate reality. John said, in the beginning, the literally, the Greek word is logos. In the beginning, the logos already existed. That caused the Greeks to stand up and say, wait a minute, he's talking about the ultimate force in the universe. Why John say logos? Because Jesus is the God of the Gentiles. Did you see that? He's not just the God of the Jews. He's the God of the Gentiles. Amen. He's not just the God of white people. He's not just the God of one race. He's not just the God of America. Can I get an amen? He's the God of the whole world. John is saying, this one I'm about to tell you about is not a specific God for a specific group of people, but He is Lord over all creations. He's the God of the whole world. Then he goes on to say this, the Word was with God and the Word was God. I'm not going to take a lot of time about that, but that is an allusion to the Trinity. He was God and He was with God at the same time. He was God, but he was distinct from God in personality. We believe in God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, but God expressed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Best way I've heard to say it is we believe in one what and three who's. The what is God, the who, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's what John's alluding to here in the second part of verse 1. Then he says this in verse 2. This is powerful. Logos, the great force of the universe, right? The force that created everything, the force that sustains everything, the force that tells us right and wrong. John says, he. Andy, that was such good preaching. You're doing so good. You're so good. That was so powerful. Be encouraged. The Logos is a he. 
the logos. He didn't say it. That's powerful. He said he. The logos is a person. He hasn't even told us who it is yet. We know the end of the story because I've already let it slip. But he said the for, there is a force that created the universe, but it's not a force, it's a person. There is not something that tells us right and wrong, there's somebody. There's not something that's ultimate reality, it is somebody, and it's Jesus. Oh, I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful it's not a force. I'm thankful he's a person. Jesus is personal. Think about that. He's eternal, yet he's personal. He knows your name. I said, he knows your name. He knows what you ate for breakfast this morning. And he cares about it. He knows that thing you're struggling with that you won't tell anybody about, and yet it's eating away in your gut all the time. He knows about it, and he cares about it. He knows the struggle you're facing on your job. He knows the relational struggles you're having in your family. He knows the grief that you feel. Some of you praying for your children. He knows what your children are going through, and he loves them and cares about them because he's personal. I used to say this a lot when I was growing up. Ask Jesus to be your personal Savior. And I love that personal part. He's my Savior. He's a person that you can talk to. And He'll talk back. We long for that. The culture longs for that. You want to know why I know that? Star Wars. How many have watched Star Wars? Can I see your hand? How many have ever seen any of Star Wars? Man, low, low turnout today. But It's one of the most gripping stories of this generation. One of the biggest stories in this generation, Star Wars. Now, I just lost 20 people. Stay with me. We're going to work through this together, okay? I watched a video the other day. It was a reaction video. I'm such a winner in life, and I use my life so well that I watched a video of someone else watching a video. <laughs> I'm just telling you, folks, talk about productivity there. Right there it is. It was a reaction video to several young men and young women watching one of the later installments of the Star Wars series when a beloved character is revealed for the first time in modern times. And I watched them react to that and I'm going to tell you what I saw. I saw big, brawny, bearded, tough guys bawling. And I said, wow, stories have power. Film has power. But one of the reasons I think so many young people in this generation have responded to Star Wars is because of the force. We want to know that there is something or somebody in charge. We have a hunger for that. We want to know that something out there other than us is running this thing. Can I get an amen from anybody today? 
Anybody like somebody to be in charge of the chaos we're experiencing? But more than that, we want to have a part in it. See, in Star Wars, if you get in tune with the Force, you can do crazy things. You can go, ooh, it makes it. We should have put, we, Greg, we should have put a wire to this thing. And I should have gone like that. Next time. With the Force in Star Wars, you can lift things. You can fight people. You can do all kinds of cool stuff. What is that telling about our hearts? Let me just say this. Star Wars is terrible theology. So don't build your theology off Star Wars. Cool story, terrible theology. But why do we like the Force? We want to know there's an ultimate reality, but we want to know we can have a part in it and with it. Better said, with Him and in Him. Here's what I'm telling you. That that you've been longing for, the ultimate reality that you want to be a part of, want to be a part of you, it's a he. And his name is Jesus Christ. The thing you've been longing for, the deepest in your heart, have you ever just in life said, there's something missing in my life? One of the toughest moments you'll ever come to is when you get your dreams and they're not enough. You get the car, and in six weeks, it's just a car. Surprise. You get the house, and in six months, just a house. You get the trophy, and you got to dust it. And you realize all that stuff that you thought would give you life lied to you. He never will. He never is untrue to his word. When he says he's the life, and we're going to get to that next week, he brings life. That's who Jesus is. He's the creator and the God of the whole world who is, first of all, personal, but second of all, he's eternal. Can we put up verse 2? This is what I was looking for earlier except it was already there. He existed in the beginning with God. You know what that means? You like the Christmas story? You got the manger, the barn, the, the angels, the animals, the wise men, Mary and Joseph. Any of you have nativity scenes you put up every Christmas? Put up one every Christmas. I take it out and put it back every Christmas. And the cow still has the broken horn that I cannot find. <laughs> Some people think Jesus came into existence there. Not so. He is the eternal God who existed in the very beginning. Isn't it good to know your Savior's not a baby? Isn't it also good to know your Savior's not hanging on a cross? Isn't it good to know the one you've put your faith in and trusted always existed? One little girl asked me this a couple weeks ago out in the lobby. Brilliant, brilliant question. A little girl asked me, where did God come from? 
And I told her, sweetheart, that's one of the best questions you can ask. And that's one of the best things you can think about. But I don't have a good answer. Because our minds cannot comprehend something that had no beginning. Everything I see had a beginning. Jesus didn't. I'm going to give you one of my favorite quotes about Jesus, and it's terrible grammar. I love quotes that have terrible grammar but convey wonderful truths. Ready? Jesus never wasn't. Some of you are going to get that next week. He never wasn't. He has always existed in the beginning with God. He's eternal. See, your heart longs for eternity. And my heart longs for eternity. When I was a young pastor, let me just tell you, I only dreamed of having a church like we have today. I never thought we'd have what we have today. We're far beyond anything I ever dreamed of. And I thought, man, if I could ever pastor a church like that, I'll be so happy. Didn't work out. Because you know what the journey for me was? Can I just be honest with you? It's not about me, but this is my journey. I tried to find happiness in how many people were showing up to church. And it didn't work. Even though tons of people are showing up today, and it's wonderful, and new people all the time, we're blown away by how many new people are coming, and it's wonderful. But I'm just going to tell you, I have found there's no life in that. Understand there is wonderful things and people coming and all that, but for me, that doesn't validate me and make me any more secure in my heart. That was my thing. Maybe you got yours. Maybe it's the money. Maybe it's the diploma. Maybe it's the professional recognition. Maybe it's the family. I don't know what it is, but I can tell you this. You're not longing for anything that this earth can give you. You're not. This earth has nothing it's really going to fill that spot in you where something's missing. It's just not there. I've done a lot of fun things. But that place has still been there. Jesus is the only thing that will satisfy your soul. One of my favorite quotes is written by a guy named C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity. I urge you to read it. Read it slow. myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world if I find in myself he's back desires that nothing on this earth can satisfy there's only one explanation I was created for another world you were created to know Jesus who is Jesus He's the eternal God of the whole world, personal and eternal at the same time. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that we can gather together and just know you. Holy 
Spirit, just do your work in hearts and lives right now. Just do your work beyond what any of us can do. Show yourself strong in this place, Jesus. May no one leave here without having met you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. We're never about embarrassing anybody. We're not going to. We're safe here. If you're here this morning and you want to know this real Jesus, you want to say yes to this real Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. We won't embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you right now. Can I see your hand right now if that's you, Pastor, today? I'm saying yes to Jesus Christ. Can I see your hand really quickly? I'm saying yes to Jesus Christ. Anybody this morning? Anybody today? How many can say this? Pastor, I'm a Christian. I want to know the real Jesus. Can I see your hands this morning? I want to know the real Jesus. I want to know him. I want to know him better. Some might say this. I don't want to leave you out. You're hearing all this and you're not quite sure if you're ready to commit to this yet. That's okay. I urge you to today, but if you're not ready to make that decision, here's one I would ask you to make. Would anybody say, Jesus, if you're real, show yourself to me. That's a prayer you can pray. Jesus, I'm not sure about all this, but if you're real, show yourself to me. Make yourself known. He'll do that. He'll do that. Would you stand to your feet right now, and I'm going to pray with you this morning. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for your people who are here this morning. Thank you for those precious people watching online this morning. Precious congregation that joins us. Father, today in Jesus' name, I speak your blessing over your people. We've heard your word. Lord, we want to know you like never before. Jesus, we want you to manifest yourself like never before. And I pray for the hungry hearts in this building. Manifest yourself to us in ways we've never seen before, in deeper ways than we've ever known. In Jesus' name, amen. Do we have anybody sick this morning in need of healing? Can I see your hand right now? If you need healing right now in your body, or you have someone desperately in your life that needs healing right now, can I see your hand? Can I ask y'all to do something? Would y'all come stand right here? I'm going to take just a minute. I know I'm taking time. We're not going to do anything. I'm going to speak blessing over you. not going to hurt you. If you're scared and shy and afraid, you don't have anything to be scared, shy, and afraid about. I'm going to speak a word over you and straight from God's word. It's a messianic prophecy from the book of Isaiah. It's about Jesus. Deacons, would y'all come on up here too? All the deacons that are still left in the building. Since I didn't have them come up and pray, we're going to do this now. Come on, deacons. I'd like for y'all just to stand and I'd like you just to lift your hands over these people. Congregation, you're the saints of God as well. This isn't me here. You're the saints of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Would you extend your hands this way over these people right now? We're going to read the words of Isaiah the prophet about Jesus over these people right now. And I'm going to believe God to heal sick bodies in front of this altar right now. Isaiah said, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him... There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. With his stripes we are healed. Be healed today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Love y'all so much. I commission you, go out of this place in the Holy Spirit's power and make him known. Get out of here and take Jesus with you. Love y'all. See you next week. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.